I'll let you in on a little secret. Reaching your revenue goal won't change your life, but hitting your profit goal, that absolutely will. If you want to build a life-first business this year, you need to create more margin, both in your finances and in your schedule. If you're ready to double down on profit-generating strategies that actually work so you can work four-day weeks, go on real vacations, or even take the summers off, you won't want to miss this. In my free masterclass, Double Your Profit While Working Less, you'll learn exactly how to set your business up to scale so you can give yourself a raise, create a clear plan for how to work that dream schedule, and step into your CEO era, the one where you and your business aren't just surviving, but thriving. You can grab this free masterclass at www.jadeboyd.co backslash double your profit masterclass or go to the link in the show notes. Now back to the show. Today, I'm really excited to share my conversation with Haley Thomas with you. So much of what we talked about in this episode is so close to the heart of what this podcast is all about. It's about less, how less can be better in business. And Haley shared so many great tips when it comes to retreat planning, how something really complex can actually be made pretty simple. The power of asking for help, the power of creating space for magic to happen. It's not always about cramming as much information as possible. Sometimes it's just about allowing the space for those magical moments and transformations to happen. And if you want more help in planning a retreat, I'm going to link in the show notes a guide that Haley put together on how to plan a retreat. With that, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast, a podcast about redefining productivity for the modern woman in business and finding ways to work smarter, not harder, in business and life. I'm your host, Jade Boyd. I'm an MBA business strategist and mentor who helps overwhelmed business owners simplify and scale their service-based businesses with strategy and systems. On this podcast, we'll explore simple ways to earn more while working less. If you're ready to scale your business, bring order to chaos, ditch the busy work, and make space for what really matters, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Business Minimalist Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Haley. Hi, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, it is so good to have you here. And why don't we just kick off by having you give us a little intro into how you got into the world of entrepreneurship and a brief overview of like where you are today in your business because you have a couple of different business things going on. Yes, yes. It's so funny. I always try to think like, how do I sum up my journey? Because it's definitely not linear. It's very random. I was a kickboxing trainer in there. Like, It's definitely been an interesting route to get here. But I would say a few years back, I had this hit of wanting to create a space where people could pursue their dreams in whatever way that looked like. Um, It came from a place of being in the network marketing space for a really long time. I was coaching in that space in direct sales for years, many, many years. And what I found was there were so many people who were craving that freedom and flexibility. But what I found was they didn't necessarily want to be just in the box of network marketing. They wanted to create something of their own. And so a few years back, I created what's called the Passion Pursuit. And this is a space and community for people to figure out what is it that they would want to create if anything were possible. And then what are those first initial action steps to take? So sometimes that looks like strategy and and kind of figuring out the pieces of where to start, how to start, what that looks like. And sometimes that looks like slowing it down, talking about alignment, getting really 
really clear internally and making sure that the process feels good. I like to say I am a combination of the woo meets the work, and I'm not afraid to slow the process down because what I believe, and it will tie so much into what we talk about today, is that alignment is the foundation of a sustainable business. I truly believe that. And so I had started that company a few years back. I was a part of a mastermind in the Midwest, and we had the opportunity to actually meet at a retreat. And so all of us women were together discussing dreams, sharing you know, what we were really excited about moving forward. And I really connected with one of the women, Abby, Abby Harriman. And we shared very similar values. Um, our missions were so aligned, and we both desired more community, not only for ourselves, but we wanted to create the space for community. We saw ourselves hosting a retreat. And so we decided, why not bring it together and do this thing together? And so we created a line retreat. And we saw this being a space where women could come in, really get clear on what is it that they value so that they could leave feeling more aligned more creative and more excited about what it was that they were moving forward with, whether that was entrepreneurship or not. And so, you know, what started as one retreat actually ended up becoming something more. We ended up planning retreats, which we never saw for ourselves that summer when we were just talking about this pipe dream. And we got into planning and then all of a sudden we were hosting our own and we were helping others to plan. And so we dove full force into that side. And while right now in this season, we are both um, on a pause with Align Retreat and we're taking more time to pursue our own individual passions, we both are so grateful and learned so much about what it actually looks like to put on a retreat and to build that side of the business. So yeah, yeah. that two reasons why I'm really excited to have you on. One, I think retreat planning has become more and more popular in the last couple of years, especially as we're coming out of the pandemic and people are craving that connection and community. And so I think a lot of business owners are thinking about planning retreats at this time. So I'm super excited to hear more about your process and all the ins and outs of planning a retreat. But two, I think that we are so in alignment with what you said about anything that's out of alignment being unsustainable, because I do truly believe that in any area of your business where you're requiring yourself to show up in a way that feels unauthentic, like eventually it will lead to burnout. It's inevitable. And so it is unsustainable. So can you tell us a little bit more about what does it actually mean to be in alignment as a business owner? Mm, yes. So this comes from a place of being out of alignment, right? Like, you know, a few years back when we had created Align Retreat, I was actually at my lowest point. I was in coming out of a period of hustle. I was looking left and right at what everyone was doing, all of these things that I should be doing in business, right? Like do this strategy, show up in social in this way, you know, do more, do more, do more. And I found myself burning out to the point where I was actually hospitalized in the summer of 2020. I was so burnt out that I had inflammation in my body that sh it showed up in my colon, which we'll spare the details there. But about a month and a half of just bent over. I mean, you can imagine I, I had a, actually a job at the time too, and I would pull the stool up to work and I was just keeled over in so much pain wow. for a month. I went through a colonoscopy. I was in the emergency room. It was a process. And what I recognized was this is not sustainable. 
Like I can build this dream, but I can't build it in this way. This is not the long-term vision. I cannot run like a machine. And so I really took that season to take a step back and look at the big picture of, okay, if I want to create this, how do I want to create this? And what I recognized was as an entrepreneur, we're the ones paving the path. It doesn't need to look like what somebody else is doing. It's really about what finding what works for you and doing more of that. And I don't think we talk about this enough in those beginning stages is giving yourself the space to discover what works and then leaving the rest. So for me, you know, that that those last those next months I would say were really an opportunity for me to get clear on how do I want to show up? What are my values? What is my mission? What am I, what is a non-negotiable for me to take care of myself in the process? You know, my schedule isn't working 60 hours a week. I didn't start a business to do that. I started for the freedom and flexibility, but I got away from that with the idea of what I should do. So I feel that that, you know, our physical bodies don't lie. It was definitely the last straw, but I'm so grateful for, for that season because it pushed me to slow down and reanalyze where I wanted to take things. And now, I mean, I, I'm very much in the practice of scheduling life stuff on my calendar before any work, which is, I mean, past me would be floored that I do that. They'd be like, what? You, you mean you don't schedule your business first? You don't add your life around it? I always like to think of this visual of if you have an iced coffee cup and the ice is your life. That's the core. The drink filters or the drink is the business that filters around the life that's already there. Because at the end of the day, like, why are we entrepreneurs to be able to live the life that we desire most? So I'm so passionate about that. Thanks for sharing that story. I had no idea that that was part of your journey, but I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs will wait until something drastic like that happens to them in order to take that step back and think about the questions like, what do I value? What do I want to put in my schedule first? So could you talk more about what that looks like even to sit back, take a step and say, what are my values? And how do you schedule those in first? What is like a value first business look like? I think it's identifying what are the words that represent the way that you want to show up in the world. And so for me, I actually, I I honestly Googled value, like values and looked at a list of words. And I first made a list of 10 that stuck out. And then I narrowed it down to about five. And from there, my words were my compass. My values were my compass. So for example, one of mine was inclusive community. You know, the company that I'm building, I want to make sure that everyone feels that they are welcome, that they have a seat at the table that I'm building. And so when I see that, then I think, okay, how am I showing up in this way? How am I representing inclusivity in my business? How am I proactive about this? When I look at a new offer, I ask, is it inclusive? Does this include everybody? You know, and that's the same with all the values. I take it and then I I use that as a filter to run any existing or any new creations that I build because I want to make sure that every step that I take is in alignment with what is most important to the core for not just me personally, but for the business that I want to build. It's it's a value-centered business. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that people don't take the time to think about because in the world Mm -hmm. that we live in, there are so many things 
that feel very important and to prioritize and decide what are like the three to five things that I'm going to prioritize is a really difficult thing when you think about the smorgasbord of things that you could choose. So I like how you broke that down into a really simple, just like Google it, look at some different words (laughs) and figure it out. Just make a list of 10 and then narrow it down and keep thinking about it. I think it's a really simple but really important practice, like you said, to create those filters for yourself. When it comes to doing a hundred things, you have to know what to do first, right? Yeah. And it cuts out the noise of, you know, what you should be doing. I think there's a lot of noise in the online space. There's a lot of, you know, step one, two, three, this is how to do, this is how to run a business. And it's like, yeah, but that's actually not the case. Business is not one size fits all. And so when you're clear on your values, that's how you get to develop something that is one original, but also two, it, it is so your own. It is, and it's not just in the business itself, but it's in how you show up in the world. And I think that, you know, having having that be the core creates something that you will then be known for moving forward. Like people will say, oh yeah, you know, when I think of passion, I think of this business. When I think of impact, you know, this comes to mind. When I think of heart-centered leadership, I think of these two people. And so it really connects you to something that I think as you know, people to people we connect to in such a deeper way is the feeling, the value, what's really important here. I love what you said about business not being one size fits all because there's so many different ways to achieve the same goals. There's so many different ways you can package your expertise and set up your offers. So today we're talking about retreat planning. Like I said, it's kind of a hot topic right now and a lot of business owners are thinking about creating a retreat. But how do you know if retreats are aligned to your business, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's if your business could not only benefit, but if you desire to create a community element. And I will say, really, that needs to be something that is important to you in business if you're wanting to pursue the retreat side of things, because retreats are no easy feat. Like they're fun, don't get me wrong. They are fun, but they are a lot of work. And so I think it's being really clear as to what is your intention with having a retreat? Does it align with your values? And I think, you know, that could be in many different ways. As a service provider who hosts, you know, something like a mastermind or a group program, that could be a great way to bring people together that you meet with virtually all year. Or maybe you're a yoga instructor and you want to be able to share your gift with people in person and not just virtually or through a studio, but you want to gather people. And so I think it's such a great opportunity to make community the big picture and the focus and and see what can unfold from there. Mm. So I think we've all been to events where we show up and it's clearly like this wasn't well thought through. It's not a memorable experience. It's just a bunch of people in the same room, basically. So how do you make a retreat that is more than just bringing people together to the same location that really creates that experience and that impact and that transformation that you're looking for? How do you create that world-class experience for a retreat? I think you have to be intentional because there are so many different types of retreats out there. The ones that I've been to that have been the most successful have been those that had a focus. They were very clear on the transformation that they were presenting from, okay, these people are going to be walking in in this way. This is their pain points. This is what they are desiring more of in life. 
what is our focus to get them to point B, which is that end goal, that transformation. And so I think when you have that intention, and it can be so many different things. I think too, it's another example of retreats are not one size fits all. I've been to great business retreats where it's very strategy focused, a lot of one-on-one, a lot of group masterminding and kind of think tanking together. And I've also been to more of the life type of retreats where it's a lot of heavy personal development, some deep inner work, yoga is a part of that. And so I think it's just being really clear as to what type of retreat is this and what is your intended transformation for the people that are arriving? Because you have to understand is people are spending money for one, but they're also taking time from their families, travel, energy to get there. Like It's a process to get to the retreat. And so you want to be intentional with that time. Like our time is our most valuable asset. And so that is, I think, the the best thing to keep in mind when it comes to starting to plan a retreat. That's so good. And for the people listening, I just want to point out that this is so true of any offer in your business. Being clear about who your ideal client is and the transformation that you're providing changes everything when it comes to delivering a service that's more than just like, okay, I paid money and you did some work for me, but a life change in our business changing experience. This is the Business Minimalist podcast, so we're all about focusing and narrowing in. But I just wanted to point out that is such good advice for retreats especially, and I love how you showcased how that applies here, but it's true of really anything when it comes to offers in a business. Absolutely. You've got to know who you're speaking to and what it is that they're wanting. Uh, I think that's the best, really the best advice when it comes to planning is who is it for? (laughs) Truly. So you mentioned that retreats are a lot of work. And I think that does intimidate some business owners, even if they feel very aligned and called to have a retreat and build community in that way. If they think like, oh, I'm not organized enough or I'm not the hype girl, will I be able to keep the energy up for that long and lead and wear all the hats? Are there certain skill sets that you think entrepreneurs need or are there certain mindsets that need to be addressed when it comes to planning a retreat? Mm, Yes. When it comes to planning a retreat, (laughs) we have got to ask for help. Really, I think that sometimes, you know, it's it's the egos in the way of, oh, I can do this, I can do that. And we want to play all the parts. We want to lead, we want to coordinate, we want to plan, we want to call the vendors that are a part of it, you know, ask for help, truly. I think that it is crazy to think that this can be something that can be easily done with one person. Even Abby and I, as a duo, struggled with some things because it was like, this is a lot. And we found that it was hard to show up actually at the retreat as leaders Mm -hmm. and as hosts when there was also back end stuff. Let me tell you, there's dishes involved in retreat. Somebody's got to do the dishes. Somebody's got to get the food figured out, whether you are catering it or you're cooking it yourself. There are back end tasks. There is setup before the retreat. There is teardown. Like there are a lot of things that go on that a lot of people don't see when they attend, but that you definitely know about when you are planning or leading. And to be the one who's leading, it is so valuable to be just leading if you are able to. Like if you can have someone back end, back of house doing all the coordinating for you and it allows you the the time to lead 
you have to hold these people that you have invited in, like you're holding space for them, you're pouring into them. And so to try to balance the the front, the forefront and the back end is a lot. So it's not so much about needing to have a certain personality type or you have to be outgoing or you have to be super organized. I truly think it's being really mindful of what are your strengths that you can bring to this retreat? And where can you ask for help where you may not be as strong in? So if you're not super organized, bring on a coordinator. Like that would be the best thing to do is bring on somebody who can help you to be organized. If you're not super outgoing, I've actually been to retreats where the host did not speak. She actually brought in other guests to speak and to facilitate more of the activities and the workshops that were done. So it's just being really mindful of in this retreat, how do you want to show up? Where are your strengths with this type of setting? And where could you ask for support? So if we're looking at the main roles, so to speak, of planning a retreat, you mentioned a coordinating role, a leadership role. Are there any other roles that need to be covered or are those kind of the two bases? So definitely uh, the leading and the host, um, the coordinator. I always think if you can have one other person to assist the coordinator, and sometimes the coordinator will have that. If that's their business, they may have a teammate come with them, and it's considered more of the hospitality staff. And that's just really to support in the setup. If there are dishes, you know, if you don't use paper products, these things where it does take a lot of time if you do have a large group to cater to. So I would say those three roles would be the main ones. The only other additional one that I see is if you were to bring in a guest speaker or a guest facilitator. And be mindful that if you have a guest speaker, it doesn't necessarily mean they're there for the whole weekend. So that's another point to be clear on. Is this someone who is kind of co-leading alongside you for the whole weekend and co-hosting? Or are they someone who's just arriving, popping in, doing their segment, and then hitting the road? So that would be the only other role that I could see being beneficial. Yeah, that makes sense. So thinking timeline-wise, how long does it take to plan a retreat? Like how long are you thinking in advance from when you start thinking about the idea to all the logistics to actually hosting the retreat and then following up afterwards? Realistically, what does that timeline look like? It makes me laugh when you ask ask this question because um, when I look back at what Abby and I did, I mean, we just were so excited. We weren't really planning this super well. And we did this in, I think it was honestly a month and a half, which let me tell you, do not recommend. <laughs> do not recommend. That was so much work and truly is, yeah, you need a lot more time. I would say give yourself a runway depending too on the location, if travel is involved, you know, it's different if your community is local and you have a place local, very different. But if you are planning a destination or say you have an online business and most of your people don't live near you, then I would highly recommend giving yourself anywhere from four to six months as that runway, because you want to give people time, this the space to travel, the space to book those accommodations, You know, you want to find the best priced Airbnb as well. And so to give yourself a few months of runway to not just market the actual retreat itself, but to prep and to allow other people the the time to plan as well is so, so important. So I'd almost say that's even minimum, like four to six months. I, I would even go maybe a little bit longer. 
Yeah. I feel like it's always helpful when you separate the launching, like marketing from creating yes. the thing. So I'm sure it gets easier if you're planning the same retreat every year. And the, yes. the second and third times get easier as you already have like curriculum and a timeline set. But the first time I can't imagine doing it in six weeks. So kudos to you. <laughs> It was crazy. Yeah, we definitely underestimate sometimes um, how much work goes into something. And retreat was definitely that eye-opening moment of, oh, wow, there's a lot more to this than we realize. So give yourself some time. Yes, absolutely. And you mentioned pricing, like getting the most affordable Airbnb and allowing people time to book flights because flights can get expensive if you wait until the last minute. So Mm. when it comes to pricing retreats, I feel like this is something – that every entrepreneur struggles with because pricing is so flexible. It There's so many factors that go into it. So do you have any best tips or tricks when it comes to pricing out a retreat? Yeah. So it's more of factors. I have been to retreats that have been 600. I've been to retreats that have been a couple thousand. So really I've seen, and I've seen even more than that. I've seen really a wide variety here. What I think we have to factor in is the location for one, especially if it's like a fun destination, that's a factor because more than likely your Airbnb and the accommodations are going to be more expensive. If you have gifts involved, if you're spending $50 or $75 a person, factoring that into your retreat budget, the length of time, how many days are you spending away from your family? How many days are you pouring into this group? You know, also factoring into if you're bringing in a photographer, like some people will do brand photos at retreat, which is such a fun addition. Factoring in what is that going to cost? Food. (laughs) Food is such a big thing that people do not spend enough time thinking about. I would honestly say cater if we're talking about that. Cater it, make it your life so much easier, but really factor too in the pricing of food. I always like to have snacks out at all times because we really want to make this environment as if they were in their own home, bedtime tea. Like it's just those tiny details throughout the week that you have to think about with also the pricing. And then guest speakers, you know, some people will come in and and some will do it for free, but most often than not, you do have to pay a fee to have somebody come and take their time, especially if they're traveling. Sometimes you will also be paying for their travel as well. So it's not so much, here's the pricing that I would recommend. It's really dependent on the type of retreat and all of those factors that I just mentioned. And I think what you said leans so much into the planning process too, because if you don't do that planning where you know how much food in the Airbnb is going to cost ahead of time, you won't be able to price it and launch it correctly, you know, before the retreat actually happens. I think it's so important to know what your numbers are, but also when it comes to retreats, like you said, it varies so widely because there's different levels of transformation. Some people are willing to pay like $10,000 to go to a marriage retreat because the transformation is that huge. And some people have retreats that are like two days where it's a smaller thing and then they're not willing to pay $10,000. But the wiggle room is so huge. So it kind of goes back to what you said. Know what your focus is, know who your client is, and know what transformation you're going to give them. You've got to know the focus. I think a lot of the times people will say, okay, I'm going to host a retreat. It's going to be this many days. Let's price it at this before they've even talked about who it's for, what the transformation is, and all of those other factors that they're not thinking about quite yet. They want to get it out there. They want to share this detail, but it's so important to do that work behind the scenes to really get clear because a lot of the time (laughs) you'll get to the end of something and you'll be like, oh, wow, I actually didn't profit anything from this because I didn't have that time beforehand to really get clear on what pricing aligns with the amount that is being poured into 
and just the things that are being poured into during that time. Yeah. So let's talk about gifts because I feel like it's a really fun thing to talk about and it's also hard to get right. I'm definitely a minimalist in many areas of my life and I turn away free gifts from businesses a lot. Mostly like the free things you get at the dentist or, you know, just like stickers and stuff like that. So how do you create gifts that are actually meaningful and improve the experience? Do you have any like favorite places that you shop from or a process for finding unique gifts? Mm. We, when we were in a line retreat, we really tried to find gifts that were from woman owned businesses. We were inviting women into the space. And so we were really trying to be mindful of, we want to support others through this process. What can we include that makes sense with the transformation that was going to unfold? And so for us, we had little gift baskets that were on the beds of every single woman that they arrived. It included a cute little mug with fuzzy socks because it was during the fall. So we wanted to bring the cozy vibes. I think we put hot chocolate in every little basket as well or tea. We also included these affirmation cards that sat on a little, like a little tiny mini easel that they could pull from each morning and and take with them. And, And that too, it always makes them think like, oh, I got that at a line retreat. You know, we also did a journal that was an asset for the weekend itself. And so thinking about, you know, could I give them a a little token that could be supportive of them for the actual weekend? And then is there something that I can gift them where every time they they look at that or they use that, they think about that experience? You know, it could even be as simple as a candle. And every time they light that at their home, they think of the experience that they had. And so I feel like it doesn't have to be major to be impactful. It's really just being intentional and and having a reason for that gift, making them feel welcome right away. And it's oftentimes too, like we don't specify in marketing like, oh, you also get a gift. That is always a surprise. And it's just that little touch right when somebody walks in where they know that they are so held, they are supported, and that we've got fun little surprises and sprinkles for them all weekend long. I love what you said about continuing the experience and making the gift is just part of the experience, that little surprise, but also something that afterwards reminds them of the experience and continues that transformation that they're on, whether you said like the journal or the candle that reminds you of that place that you were in. Because it's so easy to get that retreat high and then go home and forget it or not put it into practice. So incorporating that through guests is super cool. We loved incorporating what's called sensory branding into the experience because you're so right. It's like we go to this experience, we're on this high, and then we go back to our normal life and it's just like, and you know, it feels like you just feel sad. Honestly, there's there's definitely a come down um, after every retreat experience that that is inevitable. But how can we reintegrate? And bring in little aspects that just bring you back to that weekend, bring you back to that joy. And so with sensory branding, we were very intentional with what is the smell? Even that, like what candles are we lighting in this space that make people think about this retreat moving forward. So every time they smell, you know, some sort of like cinnamony spice, they're going to think about a line retreat. What is the music that we're playing? Is there a playlist that we could send them after that was the retreat weekend playlist that they could take with them back to normal life? You know, it's so easy to do that and create a playlist on Spotify these days. And it's such a fun touch to just bring the retreat back to the normal everyday life. You know, what are they seeing? Is it that gift? How is it set up? What are 
these little aspects that, you know, they see that at their home. And again, it makes them think about the retreat. And so it's really just tapping into the senses is another way to be very intentional with the experience as a whole. Yeah, I love that. A couple, a few episodes ago, I had my friend Cassie Beach come on and we talked about creating a productive workspace. She's an interior designer, but she talked about this. She didn't call it sensory branding because it's very different, but how to incorporate the five senses into your work environment. Wow. And I just love seeing the ways that things parallel and overlap when it comes to like interior design and creating an experience. And we talked about creating a home that's an experience, right? But the same thing applies to retreats. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually majored in interior design in college. So I almost wonder if that's like my way to use my major. That's bringing awesome. that through. Yeah. <laughs> it's so important though. Um, another question that I have talking about creating a memorable experience, people come to retreats to get that transformation. So to some extent, there has to be something planned and structured or speakers or something like that. But how do you balance that learning, the input time, the structured time, with the flexible like reflection time and community time? Is there a right balance? Yes. So I often say when it comes to this, that less is more. Mm. I used to be the one who would pack in the schedule. We had to do all of these activities. We had to have, I mean, very time, like at noon, this, at 1225, this, like so specific. But what we found is that did not leave as much space for what was really meant to unfold at the retreat. And so, for example, having free time, those times were some of the best moments at this retreat because it gave people the opportunity to build deepened relationships with each other. So having that free space was so valuable. Having space to process some of the activities rather than just moving on to the next, like really allowing it to sink in. You have to trust that even if you have only five activities for a whole weekend, that the impact that you will bring is enough in those pieces. And to give people the space to actually think about what they just learned, to let it process, to sit with it for a little bit. One of the most incredible experiences that I've ever gone on was a retreat where we were not given an itinerary. As a guest, we were not given an itinerary, which let me tell you, it's a lot. There's a lot of trust there yeah. to come into a space where you don't know what's coming next. But I came in with this with such an open mind and knew that, like, whatever is meant in the space for me, I, I trust is here for me. It's here for my growth. And one of the activities that we did right after we were given an entire hour of what was called sacred silence where it gave us time to process. We did not have our phones and everyone went to like a, a specific part of the mansion and had quiet time where we just soaked in what we just experienced. And that time for me, that reflective time was probably one of the most impactful parts of the weekend because I wanted and I needed to sit with what we just worked through, what we just processed. And that time is valuable too. That time is part of the transformation. I think that's what differentiates retreats from taking a digital course or even working yes. with a coach because it gets you out of your day to day. And it's so hard to think big picture and, you know, dream big while you're in your everyday environment. It is so special to be removed, whether that's like a town away or even in a different building. And to be in that type of experience, 
to not take advantage of the space that that provides to just cram more information in and send people home. I think that's probably one of the reasons why it's so hard to come off of that retreat high if you don't have the time to actually reflect and put it into practice while you're there. Yeah. Not to mention that a lot of people come to retreats because they would like to relax just yeah. a little bit. And so yep. like giving that space to breathe, like not rushing through the motions. We're not hustling here. That's usually not the intent. It's really to come back, breathe, process, learn, but also leaving space for miracles was a phrase that was so prominent for me by a, a mentor of mine. She said, leave space for miracles this weekend. Mm. Let let the weekend unfold. Leave those little spaces, whether it's a conversation with another retreat goer or it's just some silence with yourself to take in the experience. Because I think too often you know, in life and in business, we move so quickly that we forget to slow down and really soak up the present moment. And leaving that time for space really brings you back to the present. Yeah, it's a discipline to sit in Mm -hmm. silence. It's so hard to do, especially when you're in your day-to-day environment. There's so many distractions that will pull for Mm -hmm. your attention. And it's really easy to keep ourselves busy. To make space for silence takes a lot of work. (laughs) You would think it'd be easy to do nothing, but it's not. It's not, no. And we, at that retreat, we did not have our phones. So our first instinct, oh. right, is to pick up our phone. Yeah. No, we had to sit there oh, with our that. thoughts. And it, at first I was like, how, my instinct, like I went to grab it. It's not there. I'm like, my instinct is to distract myself. And how often do we do that in our everyday? And to have that space to actually just be, to just I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to show up in any way. I really was able to just take a moment with myself to process. And that's something that we do not get very often in our everyday life. No, definitely not. So shifting gears a little bit, when it comes to finding the right location, it's so important when it comes to a tree and setting setting the mood for the transformation, having it be close to where people can actually travel to it, having a place, like you said, that's kind of fun and enjoyable and people will get that like getaway experience. How do you find the right locations? You mentioned Airbnbs, but I feel like in the Midwest, it's harder to find those really nice Airbnbs. Yeah, it can. It definitely is tricky depending on location. I have looked at Airbnb, um, VRBO. There's another website. It's not coming to me. But honestly, if you Google rentals, there are more options other than just those two well-known ones. But I think the things to think about when it comes to location is your community mostly flying or are they mostly driving? If they are driving, something that most people do not think about is the parking situation. Mm -hmm. And I have been to Airbnbs in the past where they've only allowed three spaces. And if you have 10 people coming and every single person's driving, that's not going to work. So being really mindful of the parking situation, being mindful if you are using something like Airbnb, if there are rules in the fine print about large events, some houses won't allow you to do that. And so being open with communication with the host too and and expressing, you know, a lot of the times retreats are not bachelorette parties or anything like that. And so if you just are open with communication, usually they they will work with you. But check that fine print. So important. I would also say too with location is checking in on how many bedrooms, how many bathrooms. <laughs> the bathrooms are one we don't think about. People do have to shower. They do have to get ready. And so especially if you're bringing in a group of women, just being really mindful of the bathroom situation. 
And really, can you imagine yourself in the space? You know, if you are bringing yoga, for example, where are you doing yoga when you look at the pictures of the rental? If you are hosting a group dinner, is there space for you to all fit around a table? If you're doing breakout sessions, is there a good amount of room to kind of branch off where you're not all in the same space. And so those are just a few things I that come to mind right away when I think about choosing a location. So, so good. Are there any common mistakes that you see business owners making when it comes to planning their first or even second or third retreat? Mm. I think it really goes back to what we spoke about in the beginning is just not giving yourself enough time to plan. And even with the second and third, because Abby and I, for example, we did plan our second and we were like, oh, we're experts now. We planned that first one in like a month and a half. Now we've got three months. That's plenty of time. Well, let me tell you, time goes really fast. And when you're not focused and you're not intentional, all of a sudden you've got a month again to plan. So being really mindful and giving yourself the space to plan, letting the process be fun, I honestly would recommend too, if there is the ability to have a call with all of your retreat guests before the retreat, that can be such an impactful addition for them to get to know each other before they meet in person. It allows the retreat experience to start early. And it also, I find, opens up a lot more vulnerability and transformation at the retreat itself. So just really imagining that the process is not just the retreat weekend. You know, we often say too, it's like there's the retreat before the retreat. And that is the planning. That is the leadership beforehand. That's the enrollment. Like what does that look like? It is not just the weekend alone. Mm. So even with the perfect plan in place, I'm sure that there's things during retreats that just happen. Things go wrong. People are people. People forget things. People can be messy. How can you come into a retreat prepared to handle those things that might go wrong, even with the perfect plan in place? Mm, I have not, I don't think, been to a retreat where it was always on schedule. It was usually very much in flow. And I saw such transformation when the leader allowed it to be a little bit more flowy in the container of the retreat. So it wasn't so much that I noticed a lot of mistakes or or really in how it was led it was just they had the ability to pivot when necessary and so just being okay with that like going in with like yes we have the structure we have more of these masculine rails but we also know that sometimes things come up that we can't even imagine you know transformation comes up that we weren't even seeing what happened from one prompt or one activity where we need to hold a little bit more space for that specific thing and so being okay with pivoting, being okay with taking more time. And that's why I think it is so important, like we spoke about, is leaving that space in the plan rather than packing it full from start to finish, dawn until dusk, like really giving yourself some space and some wiggle room because Mm -hmm. things will definitely shift. I think you've given our listeners a lot to think about when it comes to planning a retreat and deciding if it's the right fit for them. But what I want to end on today is for the business owner who's feeling out of alignment, they've lost passion for what they're doing. They're feeling kind of lost or unsure about why they're even doing all this business stuff anymore. What advice would you give to them? Mm, Knowing that it's okay to take a break. Your business will not collapse. 
if you take a week off, even a month off, if you leave social media for a little bit of time. And honestly, I would recommend unplugging from social media. If you're feeling out of alignment, the last thing to do is to look at what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. When we are out of alignment, we look externally. We start to ask for advice. We start to look left and right and try to find our answers outside. But the best piece of advice I can give you if you're feeling like you've lost your passion is to come back inward. Why did you do this in the first place? Are you working from that place that you started and that why that you started with? Or has it shifted because of one thing or another? What are those values? And if you're not clear on those, checking back in with either ones you set or setting some new ones and and really being mindful of, am I showing up in these ways? And if not, what needs to shift? Is it is it social media and how I show up there? Is it how I manage my time? Is it that I'm not leaving enough time for things outside of my business? I mean, truly, when you are feeling unaligned, it's honestly time to do less of the business and go have some fun. Put joy on the calendar. Remind yourself of things that light you up. And trust me, when you reconnect with that piece of you that's excited again, that's joy-filled, that's ready for more, that is where you often will connect with that deeper mission and purpose and passion. So take a break and go have some fun. I love that. Thank you so much for being here today, Haley. I love the message that you have and just the passion for what you do. And this was such a beneficial conversation. I got a lot out of it too. So how can our listeners find you and connect with you after the show today? Yes. Well, thank you also for having me. I do appreciate you giving the space for us to speak here. So appreciate that. You can find me. It's my full name, um, HaleyBrookThomas.com. It's H-A-L-E-Y. And then my Instagram is also H-A-L-E-Y.Brook.Thomas. And you can find me there. I'm always active in Instagram, doing fun things over there, throwing confetti every which way. It's it's always a good time over in that little corner of the internet. So love to connect. We'll link those in the show notes too. So thank you so much again, Haley. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Business Minimalist Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd rate it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening today. Your rating and review will help more small business owners discover helpful episodes each week. Don't forget to check out the show notes for the tools and resources mentioned in today's episode, because good ideas don't grow businesses, action does. And if you want more business minimalist tips and resources, head on over to Instagram and follow me at jadeboyd.co. I'd love to hear what you took away from today's episode. I'll see you next time on the Business Minimalist Podcast. The number of women burning out is at an all-time high right now, and I'm on a mission to change that. If you're a service provider who's feeling overwhelmed, overworked, and underpaid, don't let another year go by staying stuck. The Business Edit is a 12-month group coaching program that helps you declutter your business from top to bottom so that you can have shorter to-do lists, a clear strategy to scale, and know exactly what to focus on each week to drive results in your business. You'll end the year with the business that you've been dreaming of building, one that gives you your life back and pays you more than you've ever made before. In the program, you'll follow my signature five-step method for scaling your service-based business. You'll get business minimalist strategy, marketing, systems, and productivity roadmaps that are simple to understand and easy to implement. 
plus 12 months of customized one-on-one coaching to help you every step of the way. Join me inside the business edit at www.jadeboyd.co backslash coaching and get my step-by-step blueprint with everything you need to build your dream business in 2024. Now back to the show.